Welcome to the Peach and Black Podcast, your central place to hear unofficial news and intelligent discussion on all things happening in the Prince world. Featuring the hosts, MC. He's going for gold in this track. The Captain. If anyone knows me, I love 80s classic rubbish pop. Player. It's kind of interesting where he was at that point in any, any time. OJ. The word I've got here circled is sap. It's just sappy. And other special guests. <laughs> Hello, welcome back to the Peach and Black podcast. We're here again to review the final installment, the final chapter of Emancipation. It's disc three. We're about to go into disc three and everyone's back here once again, Captain. I ain't got no job, but I got style. (laughs) (laughs) With one of the longest intros ever, player. (laughs) Dead like Elvis. (laughs) And Toe Jam. A better life, 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 a better with track number one, the title is Slave. Everybody keeps trying to break my heart. Everybody except for me. The review is coming up right now with Toe Jam to lead us into this. Oh, it's me. Oh, I like this one. It's dark. It's the When Doves Cry of the 1990s. Wow. <laughs> no oh, way. Oh, no, okay, I can't okay. wait to see the reaction from that. <laughs> Hear me out, hear me out. Uh, again, I'm not saying it's in the same league as When Doves Cry, but it's it's basically the same thing. It's it's drums, drum machine, vocals. Is there bass? Vocals in bass? a minor key. Ah, well, the, the bass, it's not really a bass. It's sort of implied by this sort of sub kick drum thing. Ah. So there is sort of bass, but it's not really a bass playing it. But yeah, there, there's... The harmonies in this vocal are just, you know, it's similar to when Doves Cry. It's this sort of harmonic minor sound and, I don't know, it's really cool. It's got these gunshots just going off and toms flying around, which is seems to be lifted from Ain't No Place Like You, the Maite track. This is a great song to listen to when you're pissed off. Um, <laughs> so when I'm pissed off, I listen to this song, I'm just like, yeah, you take that. It, you tell him, <laughs> yeah. And I love the way when, you know, he doesn't really, there's no chorus, but when that slave comes in, it's just like it's on the second semiquaver of beat two. So it's just like one, two, slave. Just whoa, where did it come from? Just, just bust in there. So this is a cool opening track. I really like it. Very atmospheric, very moody, very dark. Interesting Prince song. Mm. Player. Okay, so I'm gonna sound like the wet blanket here now. <laughs> For an album that has a tagline, this is what freedom sounds like. I really don't think this song is suited to this project. 
I mean, sure, released during the Warner Feud years or a B-side on one of the Exeter singles, maybe, but here it does nothing for me. Musically, it doesn't do much. Lyrically, it just sounds like a backward step to the rest of this album because it sounds like he's still got like a gripe with Warner Brothers, whereas I see the whole Emancipation Project as, you know, like his freedom project. So I don't know. I don't think Slave really fits in this I don't this think album. he'll ever get over it. He's always, every album since, there's a song that's like, you know, how he's being trodden on True. by the man. So. True, true. But I think if, if he released this like the year before or, or maybe on um, Chaos on Disorder or something, maybe, you know. It, I think it would have fit really well on the Come album. Come, Exodus, you know, something like that, yeah. Mm. But this album, I'm not not so sure. I don't think it's a particularly strong opener, whereas I do think that Jam of the Year and Sex in the Summer are very strong openers for those um, respective discs. And I always used to hear this as a kind of a disappointing start to this to this last chapter of this project and I think it's because it's just so unremarkable Toe Jam you talk about it, it being similar to When Doves Cry and I, I have heard exactly why you think that but this just shows how you can have very similar or even identical elements within a piece of music but they can come off completely differently so it's just an interesting interesting thing to, to consider I think you know you know, he's got this industrial I keep calling them industrial they're not really industrial in, in oh, for Prince they are for Prince they are but then it's not he's not he's not anywhere near an industrial gothic skinny puppy nine inch nails type stuff he's nowhere near any of that but yeah you're right for Prince they are percussion sound is similar to Sign of the Times in its structure an aggressive plea for freedom and I I do feel this is sincere angst and I also feel that it's this is a cool song to listen to when you're ticked off um, but his lo- his vocals are very loose and I remember in a previous review Captain mentioned something about I think it was Captain about how raw and just real vocals uh, Prince's vocal sounded on controversy on the album and on a few particular tracks and I think sexuality they, sexuality there you go well yeah. on here again I think they come through that same quality comes through very different context obviously but he's kind of just he's not it doesn't sound like he's censoring himself in the studio so that's that's something I take away from this song but it's this disc gets better this disc gets better Captain what do you think a few things everyone said My, the first thing I've got is I wouldn't have chosen this as the first track as the opener either but he did and I can sort of see why I mean the first track is Slave the last track's Emancipation it fits ah, that way that makes sense yeah. it fits that way but yeah it's this album's supposed to be you know the, the dawn everything's free and everything's great now and Warner's all that's behind me so why is this track about that like Player was saying it doesn't really fit when everything else is sort of happy and lovely and I'm free and this is like no I'm a slave it just doesn't really fit but the most memorable thing about this is the funky drum beat that comes after each time the chorus if you want to call it that when he shouts out slave and you just got this massive drum fill that goes and goes and goes I mean you've got the main drum beat and the bass which is pretty slow and funky but then when you get the chorus drum thing going it just gets stuck in my head if you don't know what I'm talking about go and listen to ah there's one at 337 to 356 Hear the funky drums. Just quickly on the drums, Captain, the drum pattern itself throughout the whole track, that shares a similarity. I think an identical drum, it's the identical drum pattern when compared to that track on um, 
the Child of the Sun album, oh. Ain't, album. Oh. Ain't No Place Like You. He's lifted the exact, yeah. like the drum fill anyway. Hmm. He's lifted it straight off there. Because so uh-huh. that came out in 95, didn't it? So it's only a year after. To me, that's the best track on that album. So I like that album, actually. There's a few good songs on there. there is, anyway, yeah. we're not talking about that. There's all this talk about breaking his heart. Who's breaking his heart, exactly? Who? Who is they? It's the man. The, the man's man. breaking his heart. Uh, could be anyone. <laughs> could be anyone. Everyone's trying to break his heart, actually. Do I like it? Uh, I don't think I can say. I don't dislike it. I don't like it. It's just this is just an album track to me. It's not. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just there. It is the opening track, though. So. Yep. I don't know. It's a big step up when we go to the next track. Well, so let's step on up to the next track right now. It's track two. It's called New World. think about it player start this off yeah I really like this track I admire the direction Prince took with this song musically and instrumentation wise he's presenting something new and different with a positive message it has a good groove that he rarely explores but I think he should explore more often I, I don't really have anything more really to say than that but it's yeah it's a really cool song alright alright uh, Captain this song I like it's got this fast funky beat I like the melody of the vocals a lot some cool backing vocals I really like the love for one another section this should have been the song with that name not the track on the Larry Graham album Mm. called love for one another this should have been that song I think it's much better Um, there's some funky guitar stuff 135 to 148 that's cool Um, and it's not that long it's three minutes 40 something seconds and it's just the right length I say it's, it hasn't been padded it's not too short it's just it's that's the song as it should have been and I like it well I follow you Captain because I also like the song and it's going to be on my special MC version definitive version of, of the Emancipation album project when I have a play around on my iPod version is that album going to be called MC-cipation no <laughs> <laughs> MCP MCPation MCPation So I'm going to actually hand this over to ToeJam and the reason I'm going to do this is it just crossed my mind I'm reading a lot of my notes and a lot of the notes that I've got about this song are very similar to a song that ToeJam has reviewed <laughs> before and I mm. as I was reviewing it and, and listening to it that's the thing that kept popping up into my head all the time I was like this is a ToeJam song it's a Toe Jam song. It's the same as... It's like so similar to that other song. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I and had I, that as my first note too. And I couldn't stop it. So I'm going to hand it over to him because I've got a hunch about this one. Toe Jam. <laughs> I think your hunch might be wrong. <laughs> okay. I, it is. Okay. It is the, it's the precursor to Strange But True. Is that what you were thinking? Yes, that's exactly yeah. what I was going to say. I, it is. It is. Like sonically, they're very similar. Similar sort of beats, similar sort of synth lines. But, you know, this one... I actually find this one a bit lame. Um, <gasps> I think it's the, it's the drum. It's the the sounds he's chosen for the drum, the you know the, the hi hat, the kick, and the snare mainly. Like when people say this album sounds plastic, this is the song that stick that comes to mind straight away because there's so many interesting ideas in the song, but the drums just seem really lame. Like not the beat, just the sound that he's chosen it just sounds like straight off the off the drum machine. Who was um, doing the drum programming? Oh well, it says well, Kirky Day, but Kirky Jensen. Who knows? Kaj. So yeah, in in that respect. 
And because I've heard, um, I would have heard um, Strange But True be- before I heard this. So to me, this is always like the disappointing version of Strange But True. <laughs> that's that's strange. Uh, there are some some cool bits in it. The best bit is that little funky guitar bit at one thirty six. Yeah, that's cool. And I like some of the lyrics. Um, Did you hear about the new pill? You know that it feels cool. like sex. Yeah, a pill that'll do this and a pill that'll do that, and you know, it's sort of descending chromatically as he does that, sort of you know, suggesting that you know all these pills are bringing us down. And I like that the whole song has got this sort of is it major, is it minor? It's sort of both. Mm. Um, so that's good. And it is interesting lyrically as well, sort of talking about the future and where we're going to go with these science that we, you know, is it going to be good or bad? Well, that will depend on the love for one another we have, mm-hmm. which is interesting. But yeah, I always just sort of feel a little bit disappointed with this one um, because it's a bit like a, a, a pale fart compared to Strange But True. <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> a review. Still, which is still my favorite Prince song of all time. Blew the, you took the wind out of that. <laughs> <laughs> I like uh, the song. It's just it's upbeat, which is I like. My thoughts on this are, um, are that this is great, great song, great track. Uh, I would have almost opened with with this, but hey, mm. it's not my project. <laughs> yeah. It's not my album. But um, this this is uh, no, I'm not going to say it's a good song. It's a great song. It's got a relentless groove, crazy electro bass programming, and I think the bass is the actual star. Everyone's talked about a few different elements. Tojo mentioned the guitar. I think it's just the bass program. The drum, I don't mind. I think it's perfectly fine. Um, and the lyrics seem to, to me to be based loosely on the Aldo Huxley Brave New World novel, for anyone that hasn't read it or is, isn't familiar with it. It was a very kind of controversial and outstanding work and talked about the effects of, of the new pills and medication and brainwashing and genetic engineering and all sorts of things. And so I think potentially he's either read that or something similar and he's put it into you know put it to music it's got just such just hip, hypnotic groove these percolating synth lines and stabs and all the synth pads that he's using and these strange keyboard parts and some great vocals again from Prince uh, what do you expect the background is ridiculously similar in its atmosphere and in its execution to Strange But True which is why I threw the uh, Strange But True reference in and I think this is one of the best songs on this disc and one of the best songs on this album Woo. and if I had to cut this 36 track disc down to 10 this would be in my top 10 songs on this release so I'll just finish with that and from yeah, two to yeah let's not get into my version of Emancipation would have these songs no we won't otherwise we'll be, we'll be going for hours so let's go from two to three and it's the <laughs> That's pretty much the song, isn't it, really? Pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> Again, this is Prince taking a step outside of what he does usually and what he does musically. And I like to see him do a whole album like this, of this kind of electronica style. That's what this know. disc is. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, Most, you... Yeah, mostly, but like I'd like to see him do like a whole dance record. I mean, like you could maybe consider 1999 like a dance record or whatever. But I like to see him do more of like a do one now. Yeah, yeah, an electronic style. I really like to see him put something out like that. Well, you never um, know. Purple Music, three album deal. Uh, who knows? <laughs> uh, yeah, it just thumps. It sounds futuristic. I'd just like to see more of it. It's it's a cool song, and it kind of sort of 
continues on at Brave New World into this, but yeah, it's it's cool. I, I'm really digging it, and I want to hear more of it. Okay, Toe Jam? Uh, I like the f- the fact that he's trying something different. I just don't really get this song. I like elements. It's sort of like um, when we reviewed Joint to Joint. Uh, it's I like the elements of the song. The song itself doesn't really do anything for me. The vocals are really, you know, falsetto. It almost sounds like an Earth, Wind & Fire remix or something. That uh-huh-huh sample just gets really annoying. Um, uh-huh. The bass line is kind of interesting. It sounds a bit, obviously, it's a bit programmed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. The bass line's kind of interesting. Just a strange bass line, just over and over and over. And there's this weird water drop sound, which I only noticed listening to it for this review. In the background, it's like this whoop sort of sound, just really faintly, just all the way, or well, in the beginning anyway. 158 is a crazy synth bit. Uh, it sort of, uh, that's that's kind of cool bit. It sort of jumps all over the place, like from one octave to a different octave, and then back down. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. That's, 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 that's cool. Probably the, that's probably the best bit in the song, I think. But yeah, like I like elements of it, but I just don't. It doesn't really do anything for me, and I, I normally skip it. Huh, okay. <laughs> Something like that. It's a cool attempt, I think, at, at mid '90s dance music. Um, but whereas someone mentioned before that New World, the the in New World, the drum programming or the drum, the, the drum sound, sound yeah. let it down. I think this is the song where the drum lets it down. Um, yeah, by it far. Sounds, it yeah. sounds like 1991 sort of drum beat sounds, <laughs> and it's yeah. just 96 going on to 97. Yeah, it's yeah. 1991, you know, Casio keyboard preset. <laughs> it's really horrible. It's very like, I don't know, the real McCoy or something. <laughs> I couldn't think of anyone else. <laughs> real McCoy. Wow. <laughs> a talk, talk, yeah. right? Uh, the sound of it, it sort of reminds me of those like Madonna dance tracks of the early 90s, but it's sort of, a, you know, it's a few years later and it's like, oh, you know, we've moved on, Prince. Yeah. But w- w- whereas the, the drum does sound like that, I think the other elements sound a little bit kind of more futuristic is the only way I could describe them. You've got that bubbling electro bass pattern, the filthy, it's a filthy groove, really, unlike anything he normally does, which is true. But the sound, I mean, the sounds in this song from about two minutes until three minutes, and Tojan mentioned a couple mm. of, the, of the of the cool um, the parts where he's jumping, you know, from one octave to another and then back again. They really kind of scream to me of mid '90s Jamiroquai compositionally. Uh-huh. The sound is a little bit different; it's a little bit more electro sounding, but very Jamiroquai esque to me. And cool programming work. It's a strange song, weird. It's a weird tempo for Prince because it's like in between what he what he would usually work with. It's not, you know, if it was a little bit faster, it'd be I think m- a more successful like hard dance track, for lack of a better term. But if it was a little slower, it might sound better. Actually, I think so. I don't know. Maybe it's just my my ears. It goes on a tad long, just like my review of this song. So I'll put it I'll put it straight to Captain. <laughs> Uh, can't get enough for that can't get enough of it I don't mind this song it's not great but there's like Toja said there's bits that I like but the whole song doesn't sort of work but um it's got this funky techno like beat MC you said it sounds like nothing's ever done before no uh, no, uh, not not what he normally does talking about the the bass line think the electronic version of Come very similar Mm, yeah. Just that constant bass line going through the whole song. But don't you think the tempo here is weird? I don't know what it is. I it don't know is, how many beats per minute, but yeah. it's just, it's odd to me. I don't know. But yeah, that electronic version of Cum 
drum, uh, the bass sounds really similar to, to that for me. Just bass going all over the place. Um, lyrics and vocals, I could do without them. I don't know what this song lyrically is about. I have no idea. But the vocals are only in the first bit of the song and then it's all instrumental anyway. So it doesn't matter. I think... I get what he was going for with the sort of, you know, his version of industrial tracks, and I do like some of them, but this one, it just doesn't quite get there. There's a really cool bit at 2.37, there's a cool beat, and the, the dark chords, and then goes into some, some techno, Prince, Prince, Prince techno, and there's a really cool beat, comes in at 3.40 as well, then the bass comes in, adds some really funky stuff there. But yeah, I don't know. This song just doesn't quite get, I think, where it was supposed to be going. It was a good, it was a valiant effort, but it didn't <laughs> quite get there. <laughs> yeah, that's true, because I'd rather see him try something yeah. and, and not do as successfully than just reproduce another, you know, like another big ballad here or something. So, yeah. It was a good try. Prince, good try. <laughs> <laughs> but that's where I've said, like said before in the past, where like I like to see him hang out with like Daft Punk for a week and absorb like what they do and like you know mm-hmm. take it to the next level, you know. Because yeah. sometimes when he tries for tracks like this, it's it's kind of a bit dated, or he's recorded the song years beforehand and then it's just sort of ended up on this release. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why they sound dated. Yeah. Sometimes. So yeah. <laughs> and from three to four, track number four, Face Down. That's what we're up to. Face Dead like Elvis. Down. Dead like Elvis player. You started with your, um, I think it was you, <laughs> in the introduction to the show. So why don't you start this one off? Yeah, I really like it when Prince is in this mode, so to speak, which derives from the same vibe as Days of Wild and the like. His message my ass vibe. <laughs> yeah, his message is straight down the line and blunt and the beat is solid. I like how he calls out the instruments in the song, like bass and horns and orchestra. And when they play back, they're slightly distorted. For example, the horns is like a car horn from a keyboard. Yeah, it's cool. It's like yeah, it's cool. You're expecting this big thing, and it's just this. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and the orchestra sounds more like a crazy keyboard preset than a Claire Fisher arrangement. Mm. Um, the video is great too, where he's having a go at the sax and the violin. And I also <laughs> like the fact that this track's one of the few tracks apart from Come On that got an a cappella release, where the DJs can uh. make their own mixes of the song. And I like to see Prince do that more often. So, but yeah, good. Some good rapping from Prince. It's a cool song. I like it. Cool, cool, Captain. This is a pretty funky song. I do like the lyrics. I actually listen to them. But you know, musically, there's there's not much there. There's it's a pretty generic beat and a bass line and and a bunch of samples and that's it there's, there's not much happening musically but the rap is pretty funny there's some good stuff there the lyrics but this is a song I want Prince to play because when he was playing it like in 97 you know he'd play you know it's just a big bass solo for 10 minutes that's what I want to hear but he's not going to play this because he can't sing half the lyrics and even the ones that he can he probably wouldn't sing because the whole vibe of the song is just kiss my ass <laughs> and that doesn't seem to be where he is right now <laughs> But I'd love to see him do this live if he could somehow rearrange the lyrics to something he'd find acceptable just so he can get 10 minutes of bass solos. Um, That'd be great. But I do think... I don't know if I should find the Elvis's, you know, Dead Like Elvis. Should I be offended by that? Because I really like Elvis. And every time I hear that, I'm like, what, what, what's the meaning behind that? Well, I think it's, I think if you connect that to the rest of the lyrics in the song, it could be a, 
he's using Elvis as an example of of an artist who pretty much gets screwed over, and and we all know what happened in one way or another, yeah. you know. So yeah, I, I mean that's how I see it. Anyone else? The only other thing I could think was there's all these people who still think he's alive, <laughs> and then he's saying he's dead like Elvis. But I just I, I don't know what it means. I don't get offended by it. the impression I get is like I was saying on disc two, ninety nine was hanging around Paisley Park for ages, just recording a whole bunch of songs, and I think that dead like Elvis line is just a snippet out of a, a one of her raps that he's yeah, just sampled yeah. and just put it into the song. Mm. So I don't, I don't know if there's an actual meaning to it. It's just like something that he's taken and, and just sampled but, it in but, there. But are you saying that he's done this without a deliberate, like it's not a deliberate It's got to be saying move? something. I think it's more that, you know, Elvis is sort of known for... You know, Dying. Becoming, <laughs> no, but like, you know, becoming <laughs> the big, sort of becoming a character, caricature of himself in his yeah. later years. So it's sort of... You know, dead like Elvis is like, you know, you're just becoming a caricature of yourself. Well, actually, that does make sense because, you know, the first line of the song, somebody once told Prince he wouldn't take Prince to the ringer, let him go down as a washed-up singer. Yeah, That's, so there's... It is becoming a caricature of yourself. He was Prince and then, you know, Prince, that character died and then, then he was the symbol. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. never, I, I think never it, really got it. I'm just thinking, like in, like in black music, like I'm thinking of Public Enemies fight the power where they reference like Elvis and stuff, and it's not in a really good light. And I don't know if it's supposed to be like that here, but then you, you got Prince in other times in this era where he's like covering Elvis, like with yeah. Jailhouse Rock and stuff. So he played Jailhouse Rock, played a bunch yeah, of songs. Yeah, so I don't know if it's a diss or a homage or, or what, but I, I don't know if it's supposed to be taken like that. I don't know. Yeah, and then, but then you've got the other thing where lots of people say. Elvis ripped off black music and took it and got famous using right. that. Yeah, yeah. Which is probably what the public enemy thing's about. Mm. Yeah, I think I think Toe Jam's probably on the mark there. I mean, that fits most of the time. It, it makes sense if you if you read the lyrics pretty literally. Like, I think Elvis is probably a good example of of um of where you compromise to a degree potentially as an artist, and you 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 know you make a few decisions that maybe you're not so proud of, and then you know whether it's you're doing things for money or whatever, and the, the corporate thing comes into it, and and maybe it's a commentary on you know what can happen to you, and he's saying, well, you know, it's not going to be it's not going to happen to me, but it's going to happen to all these other people potentially. I don't know. I'm, I'm probably reaching for the stars here, but... This is probably the most anyone has talked about three words that Poet 99 ever said. <laughs> ever. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, this is a interesting song. It's a dirty kind of song. It's a very sampley kind of song. It can get a bit annoying in some ways. Like, his vocals, the way he just sort of like... Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> I like it. I can't listen to it two times in a row for that sort of reason. But I like the way that it's it's kind of bad deliberately. Like, as we were saying, when he calls out the band and the band just sound poo. It's, I think it's kind of funny. It's it's obviously done it deliberately. There's some funky bass in here, though, when he calls out the bass. There's some funky bass in there. Yeah, it's it's all right. I, I think it's a bit. it gets a bit more praise than it probably deserves simply because it's a kind of song about, you know, how... You know, it's a Prince song saying how good he is kind of thing. But, and again, the video is interesting how he's sort of at his own funeral and, you know, the body in the funerals clearly, to me, looks like a sort of 1993 era Prince. Yeah, that's right, yeah. You know, which is the last years of his Warner Brothers. So that's kind of interesting. And I like, you know, it's how cheesy is it at the end of that video where the lady or whoever it is takes the hat off and it's Prince underneath. And it's like, oh, he lives. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got this sly smile. Um, so interesting song, very dirty, kind of gritty. Funky, it's, it's a good song. This was, i got to say, this was probably the last badass Prince song. 
before, you know, he stops swearing and everything's... Oh, come on, you're you're forgetting about all the midnights, Captain. (laughs) 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 But, you know, this was really the last album where he was swearing that I can think of. And this was the last real song that just says, you know, just kiss my ass. That's what this song is. And when he did this one <laughs> kiss, live, kiss. you remember Great. when he did this live, he'd start warning people before he'd say, Take your kids like, outside. Take your kids outside for this one. <laughs> yeah, that, that was the beginning of the end, really. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, a weird one for me. I think that the drum pattern's okay and that the, the off-kilter bass that's slightly sounds a tad behind the beat is also cool and the bass pops blah 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 all the rest of it but their lyrics are like pretty hardcore at the music industry and and at record company execs or at least that's how I read it but I just I love the fake orchestra in this orchestra (laughs) 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 it's it's pretty cool Uh, like it's a good song in the sense that it's experimental and it in just over three minutes it, it does go not too much outside of his comfort zone but I don't know there's just something strange about it I can't put my finger on it I'm not going to call it the lay down of the 90s or anything like that but <laughs> but I think it does have some similarities production wise to to lay down and in length as well obviously but yeah that's that's about it I really like the drums on it the drums where like the first beat is like it rings out and then the second the second beat like the snare beat is like kind of gated and cut off so it goes hmm. ch- Mm. Like, it's really cool. It's just like, it alternates from one to the other. It's a really cool beat. And I don't know if he's programming that or if that's Kirky J or whatever, but it, it's it's mm. a cool beat. Never respected the root of all evil. I always remember that line as well. Mm. Never respected the root of all evil and he's still down to this day. The devil uh, with blue jeans on. Yeah. There's some good lyrics in this song. Not bad, actually, yeah. The remixes were good in this too, from memory. Yeah, and that's right. Kind of a bit more laid back. Yeah, this had like a promo CD with remixes, didn't it? Yeah, or was it an yeah. actual single? And the acapella and stuff. Okay, so uh, that takes us into song number five, which is a cover. Cover time. Uh, cover time, Captain. Start us off with La 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 means I love you. This song... It's a cover. To me, this is pretty similar to Betcha by Golly Wow. Just the style of the song. That's an old song that, you know, he would have heard when he was at school. He wanted to cover it, and it sounds really similar to that. Well, it was written by the same person, so that's probably it. That'd be something to do with it. But this is, you know, it's not as... He didn't go overboard as bombastic and overblown as he did on Betcha by Golly Wow. It's It's a bit more subtle. It's good vocal performance. Backing vocals are pretty nice, too. I don't think I've ever heard the original version of this, so I've got nothing to compare it to so I like this one but the thing with this is listening to it it doesn't sound like a Prince song because probably because I know he didn't write it but it doesn't sound like a Prince song but you can tell he's put his stamp on it and in some ways it sounds like him and in others it, it doesn't which is, is interesting for me this yeah this is just another album track I don't really mind it either way I don't I don't skip it but I wouldn't skip to it either okay I'll take this off quickly this is a great ballad it is a it is a great song forget about the fact that it's a cover version I think Thomas Randolph Bell the writer and in this case
case also William Hart did an incredible job on this you know you go back to Delphonics and Stylistics and Temptations and all those sorts of R&B predominantly vocal based groups they just have some brilliant material and in many cases it really highlights brilliant use of harmonies and this does and it's got a killer vocal performance it's exceptional and it's got a little bit more as well it's got some nice piano some descending piano stuff happening there there's a really cool Doomy reference which it's it's rare that he references himself so obviously but there's a cool Doomy reference in this song Um, and then pretty much from 235 to 335 is just liquid gold sonic gold I should say it's just brilliant the way that he slightly rearranges this the original is is I think mainly because of the, the the equipment they were using a little bit more um, dense sounding, but it's like it's almost like a mono version. Whereas this is really you know sounds really wide. And the, the, my fa- I'll just finish on this. My favorite part of this song is the horn. The use of the horn yeah. at two fifty eight. It's just got this, and that's the best way I can describe it. If you've heard it, you know what I'm talking about. Player. Yeah, the Delphonics track. I think this is a great cover of a great song, and he's done the track justice like Betcha by Golly Wow. He really retains that Philly soul vibe of the Delphonics, but updated. The horn arrangements are really nice, and it has a nice sentiment. And for me, this is a highlight on this whole package. It's pure perfection. Wow. Awesome. That's some high praise there. <laughs> yeah. And he played it live on One Night Alone Tour as well. Pretty much every show, I think, yeah, on, that's the, right. on the US level. He played it pretty much all the time. <laughs> so he must like it. Tay Jam. Uh, I really don't have anything more to add for this one. You guys have said most of it. It's a it's a very nice ballad of a very nice song. And I think if you can find my review from Bet You Buy Golly Wow and cut and paste that here, that'll do fine. <laughs> <laughs> They're not that similar, are they? Of course they are. <laughs> Can't say any more, really. Yep. Track number six in that case. We're about halfway through this mammoth release. And the song name is Style. Let's go around the table and see how much style we can give to this review. Let's start off with Toe Jam, since you had such a short review of the previous track. Why don't you start (laughs) off with Style? This is a cool track. When I first got the package, this was my favorite song for ages. Not so much anymore. But it's just, it's kind of cool. It's sort of has that, you know, the Tower of Power saying song, what is hip? It's sort of the same thing. What is style? You know, he goes through all the examples of what style might be. It's a real bouncy kind of beat. And I love the way he's got like this, this sort of homeboy crew going, you got it. Just <laughs> real kind of funny. Um, <laughs> there's lots of synth hooks in this album. And, and, and on this one, it's sort of been replaced by the tenor sax. So that's cool. Like imagine that being done by like the same sort of synth sound it used earlier so it's good to hear a sax playing that sort of thing the chorus is basically the same as the rest of the song but he does it in falsetto and it's kind of the you know all the positive things about what style can be which is kind of cool my favourite part of the song though is the breakdown where he goes so let me stop and it sort of breaks down and you've got this I don't know oh that's weird that part (laughs) I love that bit and you've got this old guy it's sort of this slowed down voice yeah style uh, like that I ain't got no job (laughs) but I got style I love the way he sort of turns it and suddenly, okay, style is like a drug and it's like the latest hip thing and, you know, this guy's obviously got no hope, but he's got style, you know, it's just, you don't know what you're missing, brother. (laughs) (laughs) But, um... I like all the, you know, the different things that he, he says style is. Like, some of them are really funny. 
owning a court and charging him all a fee. I always laugh at that one. This one where he's like a soul with new power. It's kind of cool. Mm. Little Prince reference in there. And then the one at the end is like Maite in the shower. It's like <laughs> that's a bit. It's a bit forward, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So I like it. It's a really fun song. It's got some really good moments. It's really humorous moments. Uh, humorous in a good way. Yeah. It's a funky little song. All right. Player. Okay. The lyrics of this song is a cool concept. But what starts with some cool lines, it just ends up running out of ideas and it just goes for way too long. For me, this should have been given to The Time or the original Seven with oh, Morris yeah, being that's... the style man. And then you have the fellas or the rest of the time hollering. Oh, yeah. Home. You got it. You know, because that kind of sounds like The Time to me. Or that you got it part. And yeah, I think it would have been more suited to The Time. But um, yeah, by the time it gets to like puppy breath and my ten, <laughs> I've usually pressed skip by this time. I don't get the puppy breath reference, but it's just me. But yeah, that's it. <laughs> Captain. This is a good track. This is, I think, one of the, this is the first or second track that I ever heard from this album. Before I actually bought the album, Triple J had it as album of the week or whatever, and they were playing just random songs off it, and this was one of them. And I heard it, and I'm like, oh, wow, it's a new song. And it was good. The chorus, it's not that strong a chorus, but the rapped verses are cool and funny. The one lyric that's always makes me listen is, he's saying style is this, style is that. Style is buying your mum's house mums plural it's a slang brother yeah. <laughs> yeah i don't know about that yeah it was just weird though that he said buying your mums a house it's just street talk basically for that's what? all it is from for for buying your mum a house <laughs> that's just weird learn how to speak Jeez. Well, we're going to be getting all sorts of feedback from the, on this show. <laughs> you know, there's there's lots of weird stuff in this song. I like when he says bridge before the bridge. It's very James Brown-esque. Justin Timberlake. Uh, <laughs> 352, the funky horn lick start. There's, there's two funny things in this track as well. Go to 145 and you will hear Prince say, wah, wah. <laughs> Just in the middle of nowhere. It's not in a verse, it's just in the middle of nowhere. Just it's like you like, said, bonehead. Yeah, I must be a bonehead. Go to listen, 145, he just says, wah wah, and it's sort of like in the background. And I'm like, what the hell is that? It's really weird. And the other thing that's funny, near the end he's saying, shake your ass, Shelly. Uh, yeah, it's at yeah. 553. And then just when he says that, He's playing the bongos on her ass, which I think... <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That is funny. Yeah, that's good stuff. So this is a good song. I like this song. It's, it's very just, cartoonish, isn't it? It's one of the first songs I heard from this album, and I still like it more than most of the songs on the, the whole album, just because it was the first one I heard, and I'm, I still remember listening to it. Wow. What a review. I don't know. I'm going to be able to... I don't think I'm going to be able to top that, <laughs> but I'll say that uh, Star was an excellent song. I think it's still stands up to repeated listenings or uh, to repeated listening the rhythm part is is just too cool and the thing that I love about the song more than anything else is the fact that that musically it's Prince showing a whole lot of style pardon the pun and I just think it's it's all over the place it reeks of confidence from the very first note a very thoughtful lyrics um this could have easily become cheeseball but but i think it doesn't like there, there are a couple of parts where you kind of think oh, okay 
but um, I think that the ideas are pretty good for the most part. And he's got all these really cool percussive touches. When you when you put this on headphones, you can really hear it coming through. There's a, a bit of, I don't know if it's cowbell, but it's something similar. Maybe some triangles, some presets as well. Preset sounds, preset percussion sounds, I should say. And the the absence of the beat at 433 that Tojo mentioned is cool. The horn lines leading up to that pause are really funky. The synth parts and the simultaneous fiery guitar solo is ear candy and this is one of the best guitar solos on this record but it's mixed so low that most people don't even know that there is a guitar solo in style or maybe they miss it very explosive a complete release of a guitar solo he just releases a lot of tension again in the song yeah and it's it's cool to listen to the only thing is and i don't know i can't place it but this song sounds a lot the beat of this song sounds a lot like something else maybe maybe like most hip-hop beats around this era <laughs> i don't know it just sounds really really kind of um generic so anyway that said sleep around is the next track in slot number seven so Aww. let's talk about this sleep around And uh, I'll go to play it. Uh, this is another track that has, for me, hit written all over it. If it was edited down into a single and marketed properly, I like Jessica how Jessica Moreboy maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I like how the music starts with the bass and the hi hat interplay with each other. Um, it has a good groove with great horn arrangements. The horns are like really killer in the middle part of this. But at 7 minutes 42, I get the impression that it was extended out to fill the length of the disc. Mm. Second so, longest track on the disc, on the mm, album. So it could be considered as like the 12-inch on the album, but yeah, it's a minor complaint. I think it's a pretty good song. Okay. Uh, I guess that <laughs> will go straight to me on this. It's not that good. <laughs> oh. Come on, man. I don't think. Um, this needs... This needs to be stripped of most of the lame-ass drug... Drum... Drug programming, probably. <laughs> drum... <laughs> drum programming. And the tempo needs to be taken down a notch. Uh, it is a bit fast. And it really... Uh, it needs the Marvin Gaye treatment, I think. It needs a bit of Tamla Motown... You take the lyrics and the arrangement and the composition, but mainly the lyrics and, and the composition itself, and just rework it entirely into a steamy, steamy soul song, this would be incredible. But for my taste, it doesn't really do much. Um, although I do think that the um, the idea about, you know, satisfying your your woman <laughs> is pretty is pretty cool. The, f- the problem is that it sounds like a little boy's singing it. You know? It's just... It doesn't come off very um, manly to me. Sorry, Prince. Um, as usual, his choice of horn lines fits absolutely perfectly within the context of the song. And that addition to the real... He's got these horn lines fine, but um, I don't know if you guys all hear the same thing that I'm hearing, which is he's playing some real drums along uh, along with the program beats. Mm. So that's kind of cool, the fact that he's doing that. But I also think that on the whole, the programming is just whack. It's just nothing to be, nothing to, um, there's nothing to it. Maybe I'm wrong. Like all the percussion stuff that comes in, whereas usually I'd say, yeah, yeah, it sounds really cool. It's ear candy. For some reason, I'm not feeling it here. It's just not very effective. And the thing that makes it really difficult for me to review this song is that towards the end of it, it starts swinging. And I'm like, man, this song that I was giving up on, it just starts swinging. Like I'm back at the Mumbo Inn or something. It's got this little, 
it's got, it's got these parts that come through at the end that really redeem it. So, oh, this, this is something I'm going to have to return to and listen to again before I make up my full opinion. But that's my review for now. So, let's go to Toe Jam. Are you ready? <laughs> it goes like this. Yeah, no, I like this song. Um, it sounds to me like it's sort of... Like, you remember around this era, they were doing all these big remixes of, like, yeah. this sort of late 70s disco songs? And that's what it sounds like to me. It sounds like a remix of, like, an old 70s disco song. But it's not. It's an original song. It's very um, Earth, Wind & Fire to me. And I, I like the vibe of it. It's just sort of really happy and you want to get out and dance and the horns are cool and the bass line's cool. And I like the way in the sort of chorus, how he's just sort of singing one note and the, the counter melody bit is sort of moving. So it's sort of the opposite to what you'd normally have in a, in a chorus kind of thing. Yeah, and it goes to all these different directions at the end. It's oh, oh, it's a cool little song. He performed this on Oprah, didn't he? This one? Yep. That um, is my problem. Yeah. Out of yeah, all sort songs of this of album, this is what he pulls out for the worldwide audience to see? It's not a bad I mean, song. It was I, a I'd have this in my, top, like, in my top 12 for the album. I'd just probably just make the cut, maybe. Um, it, was, it was a good performance, but yeah, this song, I wouldn't have chosen this song. Yeah, I like it. It's got a real, like I said, earth, wind, and fire sort of vibe to it. It's got a lot of horns. And it's it's sort of that dancey, it's going for this dancey feel, which sort of... Like a house thing, yeah. And, yeah, so it's a good mix, I think. I like it. And like those, those um, Steve Silk's Hurley mixes <laughs> on the 12 yeah. at the early 90s, it's kind of got that kind of vibe to it. Yeah. And I like the way you got this like trombone that's just sort of... It's cool. It's got the Tower of Power sample. Mm. Yeah. Squib Cakes. Yeah, it's credited. Ah, okay. Okay. And who are we up to now, Captain? Me. This is another song I heard on the radio before I got the album, and I liked it then at the start, and now I, I don't at all. <laughs> the chorus is okay, but the the melody of the vocal in the verses just sounds really lame to me. It just sounds weak, the verses, the way he sings it. Yeah, this is the second longest track on this disc, on, on, on the whole album. It goes for way too long, doesn't it? It's, it's 7.42. That's, that's, that's a lot of filler. There's a bit of funky guitar at 4.31. Some, like you said, there's some good horns in this track that they really fit in the song, but, you know, most of the song, it just sort of rambles on. <laughs> it needs Garibaldi on the drums. It's just sort <laughs> it of... Instead of this one, dun, 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 it's like this... <laughs> yeah, you can do just, better than that. It just goes on and on, like in that other song. <laughs> the King Takes the Pawn. It's on and on and on. <laughs> it just goes on. Uh, okay, well... But still, it's a lot better than the next track we're going to talk about. Ex- well, why don't we just go straight into that? Uh, track number eight. Da, oh, da, yeah. da. Loving one another is the only way. I'll go first. First of all, can, can, is- I, can I go first? I'm just, my whole review is this is pretty much this is pretty much a throwaway track, Captain. That's my yeah. entire review. Okay, this isn't even a Prince song. I mean, he's got like a guest rap, and it's just scrappy, scrappy do doing doing his attempt at rap for the whole song. Um, can I talk about the great horns, the great bass, the great guitars, the great backing vocals? No, because there's nothing in this song. <laughs> There is nothing. It's just lame. It's it's horrible. I mean, there's a drum machine and a, and a rapper, and Prince does you know three words and a tiny little rap. That's it. There's nothing. So I'd say this worst track on the album. Oh wow! Wor- worse yeah. Than, worse I, than the plan. Yeah, of course. The plan's Camilla, Alex of the Paris. <laughs> this, is, this is bad. Come on. 
Yeah, this is terrible. This is the I rock, therefore I am. It's the... What's the other one? Dig you better I than would Ed. take I rock, therefore I am as a concert opener instead of this song. <laughs> yes. Instead of ever listening to this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a song I I could live with never hearing again, never seeing in a concert. The end. Uh. <laughs> and then you think about some of the tracks that he didn't put on this album. I mean, wow. Toe Jam. <laughs> um, it's not great, but I think it's better than what you guys are saying. I think of all How? the... Well, I think it, there's a cool guitar bit at three. Oh. <laughs> You're really mining for something here now. No, no, no. Oh, listen to it. Three ten. He's, he's like he's got a squelching on this guitar. It's cool. Um, <laughs> of all the of all the sort of you've got this, you've got Mr. Happy, you've got I Rock Therefore I Am, I've got Diggy Better Dead. Of those four, which are kind of sort of all from the same sort of thing, I guess. This is the be- the better one. I'd take um, Mr. Happy over this. No. Well, at least that's a Prince song. This is nothing. He's got this big sort of Warren G kind of beat to it. <laughs> oh, uh, come on now. The rap, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of, I don't mind it. I'll say that. I don't like it, but I don't, I can put up with it more than the others. Yeah. I can't believe what I'm hearing. I just can't believe what I'm hearing. <laughs> Well, I just, yeah, I just, I'm, maybe I'm sticking up for it a bit because I think you're a bit harsh on it. <laughs> it's definitely the worst track on this disc. Um, I'd say. <laughs> I'm just looking. Maybe. Yeah, probably. Probably. Uh, oh, hmm. Stop screwing around, Toe Jam. It sounds to me like this track is a laughing stock. One, one thing I don't like. One thing I don't. It, sh- like it should have been ha ha ha. <laughs> I don't like the end of the song where it goes into all this sort of. That just completely doesn't fit the song. I don't think I've ever even got to the end of the song. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know. I, I, I don't mind the idea behind it. He's got like this sort of big gangster rap, and then he comes in and is like, "Yeah, I'll show you how it's supposed to be," and all this kind of thing. And, and it's, so I, I don't mind the idea behind it. It just doesn't really come across. I'm losing the will to live here. <laughs> Player. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you guys. I don't think it's a, a song that is strong enough to make it as an album cut. Maybe as a side project or B-side, maybe, but... Not even a B-side. The fact that it's more of a Scrap D song with a Prince cameo instead of the other way around is where it suffers. Mm-hmm. I think the mess... If you actually... <laughs> see, I never pay attention to this song. I usually skip it, but for the purpose of this review, I actually listen to the song. And I think the message of the song is good. It's like, you know, da-da-da. It's kind of like Prince saying, like, blah-blah-blah. Almost Prince saying, Scrap D, I don't want to hear about your so-called problems. If you have the right mindset, you can do whatever you want instead of making excuses. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's if you listen to it, that's like because he's rapping about, you know, he's in the ghetto and he can't get a job and he's smoking weed and all this sort of stuff. And Prince is like, da-da-da, like, you know. And then in his rap, he's saying, you know, what's the source of your inspiration? So, like, you know, he, he's kind of like saying, well, you know, you can do things. If you get your, your shit together. together. Yeah, <laughs> So it's cool in that respect, but it's not for this project. It doesn't really, it doesn't suit this project. It's, it is very skippable. But the idea, the genesis, and, and like the thought behind it is is, is quite good. But uh, you thank know, you. That's all I was saying. So. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it is very skippable. Yeah. Wow. Can we move on? Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, that takes us to track number nine on this third and final disc. WW. Oh no, wrong track. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing. It's my computer. Well, I scared my 
Please, please. <laughs> okay, so it is my computer and um, ninth track on the album. Ooh, who's a fan of this? Any fans Ooh, in the house? I want to take this one. Take it. This is my favorite track on the album. Wow. Oh. On, what, on the, did, you, did you just say on the album? Yeah. yeah. Do you mean, do you mean disc three or do you mean uh, the I whole mean, three set? All three. What the It's H. tied with White Mansion as the best song on this entire set. You're wow. saying this is better than Jam of the Year? Yep. Cordon mm. time. It's yep. hecka slamming. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> Keep naming them. I'll say yep. So, oh, this is wow. brilliant. This is a brilliant song. Ah, oh, it's. Hmm, where do I start? Okay, you've got this really robotic, emotionless drum loop all the way through it, but that totally fits the song because it's you know it's about his computer and how lonely he is. Um, Kate Bush doing the vocals uh, in the chorus. Beautiful. And I think I wouldn't be surprised if she had a bit more input than just that. You've got this sitar thing all the way through. The chord movement all the way through the verse is just sort of rising and then it goes down and then goes back up. Really interesting. You've got this computerized vocal underneath his lead vocal. It sounds like he's just got two vocal, like he's done the vocal and then doubled it and then through one of them he put this weird effect. So it sounds really cool. The whole song is kind of twangy. And the theme is, you know, this loneliness, you know, how to, you know, live in this sort of superficial world, which is, again, sort of similar to White Mansion. And then you've got this octave synth at 236. It's, you know, it's sort of really calling out for something. And uh, I've got 254 strings. I can't remember what I had there. I think it's a really little cool string line. But, you know, at the end of the day, the best bit is the the better life bit of the song. It just That's why, that's why you started the show. <laughs> Man, that's kicks ass that bit it just you know loops it and you're just like what the hell and then it just goes on and on and on and on and each time it just builds and builds and there's so much funk in that bit the bass is going off it's really reminiscent of um again larry graham's it's the engine in me that bass line oh bit. yeah yeah cool and you know the synth lines the stabs and man that that bit gives me goosebumps every time i hear it i love this song i think it's probably up there as one of his best songs of the 90s i reckon oh it's the org is gonna lose lose no, it. it's <laughs> such, a, such an interesting song. Like, and at the end of the day, what I get from this song is that he's he's sort of lonely and you know feeling down. But at the end of the day, it's sort of look at it from a, a larger perspective. This better life bit, and it's kind of like, well, you know, even your loneliness is beautiful in a, in a way. And that's kind of what I get out of it. It's hmm. I don't know. It makes me think a lot, and it's just really interesting song. The only thing, the only thing that potentially spoils it is the stupid um, computer sample. And and at the end, goodbye. Goodbye. I like that. that. Uh, Because it's all part of this this sort of superficial world that, you know, we've got computers that sound like they're really happy. Hello, goodbye. And it's like, you know, you're just a computer. What do you care? So. Wow. And I love the record scratch all the way through it. It's sort the of crackling vinyl. Oh, it's the most yeah. annoying thing in this track well, all the no, way through. Normally, that I don't like that in songs, but in this one, it works because it's sort of throwing it back to, you know, a time when you know real music was real music and we played it on vinyl, and you know, it's sort of this reflective again, this sort of loneliness feeling that. Yeah, no, this is an amazing song. An amazing song. Wow. <laughs> Get ready, Prince.org. Don't crash your servers. But... <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. I think Podbean's going to crash after this. So let's go to Player, then Captain, and I'll finish it off. Okay, I think I'm with Toe Jam on this. I think this is an awesome song. There we go. I, I like how he Ooh. 
recorded all the internet and computer notifications to create the beat and the samples. It's nice and laid back to listen to. He really embraces the technology here on this track, whereas today he seems to shun it. So I think that's kind of interesting. The lyrics... I, I want to know what Prince usually does on a Sunday night instead of internet chat. Oh, he's, anybody... on fa- he's on Facebook. No. <laughs> instead of doing what I usually do, what does he usually do? <laughs> making music, what... I think. I think he's making music. But yeah, it seems like Sunday night, it's now he's on internet chat. It's so. almost like, you know, he's got this internet thing and, you know, oh, it's Sunday night. I don't really feel like making music. What am I going to do? Well, let's just try out this internet thing. And I can see him sort of sitting there going, what is this rubbish? You know, it's just all superficial <laughs> and, you know, and he's got this song idea from it. The biggest gripe with this song is why bother having Kate Bush on this track if you make it sound like you've shoved marbles in a mouth and dunked a head underwater with a microphone to record those. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, she's, she's representing you, the computer. You know. It's Gwen Stefani all over again. That's right. It's, it's, it should have been less digitized and more Actually, no, the mix this, because this it's so first. buried in the mix. You can't even like... But, but wait a second. That could have been anyone. He could have got any background <laughs> vocalist to do that same line instead of Kate Bush. If you're going to have Kate Bush on there, you've got to have her up front in the mix because she's Which great thinks that she's done a bit more than what it just says. I, I wouldn't be surprised if she had a hand in composing this one. Maybe. In some way. Possibly. It's I, hard to say because she's such a like almost a little recluse like him. To me, it's she's everywhere in the track because I, I would suggest that she is... It's her voice. I know you just said, look, why do, do all that to her voice and distort it, but her voice is like the counter... And I think Tojum just mentioned this. The counterpoint to Prince, you know, she's like the computer, and she's like that made-up component. Yeah, sure. You know, she's like that that digital world, the the, the voice that doesn't exist, that robotic element. Hmm. But I know what you mean. Like you, you can't. You could, it could, you be could have any female voice there, yeah. you, and if you, you digitize it enough, <laughs> yeah, that's right. If you digitize it enough, you could get the same effect as Kate Bush without even having her on the track. Hmm. And it still sound the same. And yeah, it's like the character, like him talking to a computer and they're responding back. But if you're going to bother having her on the track, you've got to put her more up front in the mix and have a natural turn on it. <laughs> but apart from that, it's a cool track. I'm, I'm loving it. But yeah, I just think that's a wasted opportunity. Because really, she sounds like she's underwater. But anyway, yeah. that's it. All right. Captain. To be honest, I didn't even know she was on this track, which probably proves the fact that it's buried, because I never even heard it. Hmm. I didn't even know. So there you go. Kate Bush. Uh, this song, crackling vinyl all the way through. I actually do approve of it, though, because he didn't just use it for five seconds and then fade it out like he usually does with stuff. At least he stuck to it and played it the whole way through the track. That's one thing I'll give him. Oh, you guys like this song, and to me, it's just such a lightweight, poppy track. It's like it's like all the Midnight's or Resolution. It's just got no backbone at all. It's wow. it's it's just weak to me. It's got no bite. There's just nothing there. It, it, when this track comes on, I just sort of zone out after a few seconds because there's just nothing there that that grabs me. Usually, just you got the last minute the guitar comes in and then the Better Life thing and then that 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 I listen to. But the first part of the song, it's it's there's just not much there. It's so it's just so lightweight. That's all I've got to say. So for your best song on the album, I say lightweight, weak. 
<laughs> zone out nothingness. <laughs> but yeah, to me, it's like White Mansion. It's it's all atmosphere, and you know, it's not supposed to be like a big fancy melody. It's you know, it's some pretty sad stuff he's singing about. You know, he's got like I've got a child, I've got a lot to explain, and this kind of thing, and 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 that's what makes the better life bit so much better. Yeah, you know what? It, it, you know what this reminds me of? Um, what was the song we reviewed ages and ages ago? And MC was saying something about you give any other musician or, or person the title of the track and tell them, right, you've got to come up with a, a song in this four minutes and it's called My Computer. Yeah. I mean, like, they would yeah. make a mess of it. They really would. You know? <laughs> like, and they'd come up with, like, all sorts of crap. And, like, yeah, it's I could just make... imagine what song I'd come up with. <laughs> yeah, about my computer, yeah. <laughs> like, potentially just, like, an electrical device, you know. But uh, he, he seems to, like, really sort of embrace it and, and turn it into a pretty cool track. Like, Prince, write a song about a toaster. Yeah. Raspberry sorbet, come on. <laughs> you can write a song a about a slice, anything. A bit of slice, a bit of slice. <laughs> <laughs> That's bad. <laughs> Oh, funny. I guess it's my turn. Unfortunately, my review on this is going to be unconclusive and we'll go to the last three tracks uh, after my very brief review because all I've got here is unique, interesting, strange, unnerving, odd-paced song about loneliness. But where the heck is Kate Bush? (laughs) As player said. Um, It's got a nice hook and a very murky digital vibe very 90 sounding programming and and computer effects obviously and I, I do think that Kate is is everywhere in the song she's the robotic sounding electro sounding voice counter the counterpoint to Prince so from that point of view she she probably ha- has more of the vocals than he does but it's just that he's up front in the mix and I think that she plays nicely into him and he kind of doesn't know what to do with her responses and it's a it's an interesting almost like a double entendre in the mix within this song I just don't know I I kind of side with Captain here because the backbone thing I agree with it's it just hasn't got enough muscle from one mm. point of view but then on the other hand it is its own thing like it's just this really it's got an intangible quality to it that does scream loneliness and you know and, and it disconnected from the world and all that kind of stuff but would I say it's remarkable nah it's, I don't think it's remarkable I don't think it's the best song on the album by far but it is interesting what that's about it what do you think of it. the last bit the better life bit until you said it, I didn't even. I didn't, couldn't even remember that it was there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, for me, that's the only bit that is okay in the song. Once, I love the way. Just once the building. battle light comes in, and then that guitar comes in, then it starts getting interesting. But until then, it's just weak. I must fall asleep before then or something. I don't yeah, know. Well, you just zone out because it's so... There's just nothing happening in the first part. You just zone out. Possibly, but that, yeah. But that guitar pulls me back usually. To and I'm me, like, oh, yeah. To me, the, the end of my computer sounds very much like what happens in, in this bed I scream. There's a lot of similarity in the instrumentation and, and the jingle jangle type. Yeah, yeah I can hear that arrangement there but I don't know I just I'll, I'll listen to this again because great headphone if, track if you, well there you go <laughs> I wasn't listening to this album on uh, this has got to be a headphone track this one really okay I'll, I'll give it a shot if you're calling it the best on this album I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to it again but yeah so far so so far so pleased <laughs> I guess but but it doesn't another, take it. another example of someone getting buried in the mix it doesn't t- yeah it doesn't <laughs> <laughs> goodbye is, um, you know not really returning to <laughs> Kate, Kate Bush goodbye goodbye <laughs> <laughs> 
I was going to say it's um it's not really returning the favor because supposedly what's the song on her Red Shoes album? Wouldn't Why should I love you? Why should I love you? And yeah. apparently Prince completely tore that song apart from what Kate Bush had originally written. So it's yeah. not really nice to return the favor by just burying her in the mix. So <laughs> no, but she she didn't have to put it on her album. So and this takes us into cover territory here. Track number ten, One of Us. As made famous by Joan Osborne, but not written by Joan Osborne. We don't need to reference who actually wrote the song, One of Us, because I'm sure their bank account is mighty fine right now. Um, <laughs> one of the biggest singles of the year, 1996, One of Us. Take yeah. it away. Captain, I, I can. I don't know why, I just have an urge that you're itching to get at this song. Well, if it's 96 MPG, what do you think I'm going to say about this track? <laughs> but is it? Out of all the covers, it it's is, the yeah. best cover on this album. It, it beats Betcha by Golly Wow. It's, it's the best cover on this album. Album. Even Joan Osborne, it's a great song. It's a great song. It won and a Grammy. It won a Grammy. Song of the Year, was it? Oh, it was something like that, yeah. It was a massive song. It was a, it's a great song. I remember the video, and this is a great performance, and it sounds great. And I'm not sure, but this sounds to me like a live track with yeah. studio overdubs. Because yep. right at the start, you can hear him say, oh, we're just going to play this song, or something like that. Yeah. So it's either from... I'm guessing the Japanese 96 tour or it's something at Paisley Park and he just recorded it live and then overdubbed whatever on it. Because it's got the drum loop from Love That Will Be Done somewhere in there. Yeah, that's right. Live it was great as well and it just sounds amazing. It's the new power generation. The real one. Not not the imitators. The real one. So this is Um, really the the last track, isn't it? The last new power generation track. uh, Potentially. Well, no, because wouldn't Chaos and Disorder... That was before this. No, no, no. But this was recorded. I think this was recorded late '95, oh, early '96. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking about, you know, release. This is release. The last yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. The last song from them, really. Yeah. Well, this probably is the last one. <laughs> anyway, he's really pushing his vocals, which I really like. It's good backing vocals in the verses. Listen to that. Michael B's drums. Sonny's bass. Good guitar solo. You must be living under a rock if you haven't heard the original version. <laughs> but I think this version kills it. It kills the original. He owns this song. The end. Okay. Goodbye. All right. <laughs> Goodbye, Joan Osborne. <laughs> Goodbye and hello, Toe Jam. Ah. Um, yeah, this is kind of cool, this song. Uh, I didn't like it for years. I just skipped it every time. And I do kind of like it. What I like about it is that... I haven't heard the original for ages. I might be wrong here, but the original was kind of paying out God in a sense, wasn't it? The song. I think it has multiple meanings. Yeah. Well, well, either way. Yeah, take what you want from it. Yeah. But what I like about it is that Prince then has the balls to sort of take that and flip it to say like, like the bit where he goes, yeah, yeah, God is great. I remember in the original one, it kind of sounded a bit cynical. It was like, yeah, yeah, God is great. But then this (laughs) one, you know, Prince being Mr. You know, religious, he flips it and he's like, yeah, yeah, God is great. And, you know, as much as I might not believe it, it's, he's kind of got some balls to do that. So that's kind of cool. I wonder if that was his reason behind doing it, apart from maybe just liking the song. Well, he, he did he say... To take he it did, from being sarcastic to being serious. Yeah, yeah, that's the way I always hear it. He, he, he did say publicly that what drew him to the song was there was no song on radio that like kind of referenced God. Yeah. Well, so there's very he, rarely that there's a song that references God, so he was kind of drawn to it and was, you know, wanted to do the cover of it. Yeah. So, yeah. And so he kind of takes it from this sort of downtrodden, 
potentially sarcastic song to this big uplifting power ballad thing. So it's kind of interesting. The only thing I think is not as good as the original is that when he sings the chorus, he doesn't, he plays like the notes, da, 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 like that's being played on the, the keyboard, but he just sings one note. And I think it would have been better if he had a sung the actual melody to it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Because he just sort of screams this one note, what mm. God was. And so that's Instead of singing the melody, yeah. Yeah. So that's one thing I think the original does better. Yeah, and a great, I think it's a big guitar solo at the end as these kind of tracks normally have and it's got a big, big live sound. And So yeah, I actually don't mind this song too much and I, I think it sort of fits, you know, towards the end of this set, sort of a nice place to put the song like that. So yeah, it's a good cover. Probably probably the best of the covers, I'd agree. Yeah. In terms of it's just a bit different, it's a bit more new, unique. It's a, it's a totally different take to what the original was and yeah, it's good. I wish you'd do some more songs that sound like this. Like just big rock power ballads, because I love like '80s power ballads. He needs to do some. Oh, I haven't got too much more to add. Actually, uh, I think that the drum programming and the live Michael B. drum playing is pretty mediocre. Like uh, oh, mediocre is not the right Middle of the road, probably. It's Michael B. I know he it can is. do no wrong. <laughs> it's just oh, I don't know. The power behind Michael a, B is just unstoppable. It's a <laughs> yeah, but it's just two and four for Michael B. It's no yeah, like, it's it feels yeah, and, it's no big solo. It's yeah. a bit clangy. It's solid. It's just a solid B. The 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 rhythm part. Well, I, should, I can't even say rhythm section because I do like the guitar, the all that kind of stuff, and and the bass line is cool. But the drums specifically, I don't like, and I think it takes away from the song. If this was a live studio take. I'd like it a lot more, but everything else you guys said, I've agreed. I'm agreeing with, um, and I think it is a it is a good cover version. But I like all of them. I think Betcha by Golly is good, and I, th- I definitely think La 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 is one of the highlights. So all three of them are great. Th- those three are great. Uh, player, I pretty much got what all of you guys said, and what you guys said. It's another cover apart from the Slob and Slave substitute. Hmm. It's it's basically the same. I really don't know why he felt the need to substitute that word out of the whole song. But, um, yeah, I love how the song starts with Love That Will Be Done beat. I think that's great. I think what this song has got going for it is the is the live feel. It sounds like it's mm. been recorded to tape in one take live, and it, it just gives the song a great energy that may have been lost if it was done as a studio track. But, mm. yeah, I really like it. With the Slob and Slave lyric change... Mm. Uh, I don't know if it slaves any better than slob. I mean, saying God's, saying God's a slob isn't the most respectful thing you could say, but then calling him a slave isn't much better either. Uh, yeah, I agree with you, but he's probably but if, making if, that more in tune with his kind of thinking because he was enslaved. He was a slave. Or, yeah, right. So... I, I guess he is more. He relates to that more. I do. So well, there, there, there's a lot of slobs out there, and if we're made in his image, anyway, that, we're getting off track. <laughs> <laughs> but it, that's that's kind of I don't know. When I heard the Joan Osborne version, it's kind of like you know you stop and think for a minute, like you pay attention to the lyrics. It's like what, like slob? Like you don't listen, you don't hear a song where someone talks about slobs and stuff in a song. And God's so, being slob. <laughs> yeah, and it kind of makes you listen to the, the song more. Like, pay attention to it more. It's like, okay, that's interesting. Like, you know. Actually, no one's mentioned the lyrics at all. 
you know, if God had a name, what would you call him? And Jehovah. You know, if he, if, he, if he, you can just tell if he done the remasters and he goes to, through his back catalogue and does the remake of all the songs, like, this will be here and it'll be like, if God had a name, what would it be? And then, like, backwards in the background, it'll be like, Jehovah, Jehovah. <laughs> you know, you can, you can just see it'll be there. It's like in Planet Earth, yeah. Yeah, planet. You love your Jehovah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Okay. So let's go into track number eleven, the second last song on disc three, Emancipation. It We're almost is done. the love we make. Only love there is the love we make. MC hates this song. <laughs> <laughs> Player. Kick it off. Put down the needle, put down the spoon. <laughs> this is a great track. It's dark and spooky. It has reflective lyrics with passionate vocals. Um, and it's been brought back recently in the live setting. Uh, it's yeah. a really strong track with a strong message. Builds up to a big ending. It's a great track. I'm probably going to not do it justice the way MC's going to review it. But yeah, it's a great track. <laughs> Tajam? Uh, yeah, it is a very brilliant track. I, it's another one that I slept on for years and have just really got into it the last probably year or two since he started playing it. Uh, it's about mid-2009 or so. Again, it's religious lyrics throughout it, but I don't know, I can I can relate to them. Just the way it builds all the way through and towards the end, it all comes together and there's just this massive chorus. It sounds like 50 vocals just singing, <laughs> you know, and it just comes in and it's just like, whoa, it's like a wave of vocals just coming over the top and that's a really amazing moment in the song, I think. Yeah, it's just, even as someone who's not really into his beliefs, you know, the, just the lyric, you know, the only love there is is the love we make can be read from just about anyone with any point of view and it's a really to the point lyric I think hmm. but yeah just the way the song builds it's basically just three chords all the way through and he's a master at these sort of songs you know three chords build it all the way through and it just climaxes at the end it's just it's unbelievable it's an amazing song Captain okay this one like Tojem I'd never really listened to this track much never gave it much credit I usually skipped it but yeah seriously listening to it the last couple of weeks it's, it's pretty good and yeah like player said Prince obviously thought that as well because he started playing it the last couple of years it's it's a very moody song it sort of reminds me of a cross between gold and still would stand all time if Ooh. that makes any sense yeah definitely um, just the yeah the general feel of the song. While we're on it, I wish Prince would play "Still Will Stand All Time." How that fits with his religious belief now, I don't I don't know. But work it out. Play that song. <laughs> I want to hear that song. Um, now people will get that joke, <laughs> right? Yeah, I get it. <laughs> Every time he sings about uh, cleanse and purify themselves, I'm like in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. <laughs> <laughs> Every time he sings that, I think that because no one sings purify in a song. And as soon as he says it, I think that straight away. 3.15, it really kicks off with all the vocals going off. That's the best part of the song right there. Some cool guitar. Yeah, it's, again, it's, it's I really slept on this song and never listened to it. And now I do. So, yay. Okay. Bring it, hot. Well, <laughs> there's a lot of pressure on me here. This is an immeasurably good song. The three-chord symphony he creates is is brilliant. The, the keys are, are just so, so echoey and spacious. 
his vocals are brilliant, but in a different way to most of the songs on this album, he really transcends his own delivery here to me. He just really, and he transcends this disc and he transcends this album with this song. The only love there is is the love we make. Those lines alone are probably more poignant than everything on this album put together. <laughs> so um, I think you like this song. Yeah. This is incredible. It's an incredible piece of work from all standpoints, from all perspectives. There's not a note placed wrong. What it's, I think really what it is is what it stands for, but it's also got that anthemic quality, a la Purple Rain, a la Gold, etc., etc. And really, to me, this is the album closer. This would close any album. It would close any concert or open it. Would you be saying all this if you hadn't seen this track live? Yes, because I loved it. I loved it from day one. I loved it when I first picked up Emancipation. Okay. <laughs> you know, or the fact that I saw it at North Sea and and it blew the roof off there. That has, helps. Absolutely, <laughs> it helps. But it has nothing to do with my affection for this track. It's just so spectacular. Like it's just, it's got an intangible quality to it. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. It's just a brilliant song, and I feel like trying to dissect it any further will will take away from its mystique. It speaks for itself. Speaking of um transcending vocals the line where he sings um you know sacred is a prayer that asks for nothing oh, oh that's good that yeah. vocal there that oh man come on that you know, it's just it's beautiful it's like you know we've all had that moment where you think like you know life is beautiful kind of thing whatever yeah. religion you are you know that that moment it's just like oh it's just you know. it's spine tingling yeah it's definitely. spine tinglingly good as well and not a, like that line you, you that you're referencing tojem is the line itself is good <laughs> Yeah. It's great. Sacred is the prayer that asks for nothing like this. If that's the not the most religious thing I've ever heard, you know, it's just incredible. So, oh, wow. That pretty much closes the album for me. But we've got one more song to review. Yay. Track number 12, the title track. We, we made it. We whole made release. it. release. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Almost, that... we're, we're almost there. <laughs> we're, we're almost still there. alive. Emancipation. Emancipation. Track number 12, track number 36, let's call it. The last song on this release. Wow, we're there. Let's start this off. Who's a fan of this song? Who's a fan of this album? Start it off. <laughs> I love it when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> you got to pig people or else you get silence. Captain. I'll go. Emancipation. But the first thing I have to say about this track is I prefer the Camille version, which he played yeah. at the Brit Awards. And it's not that different. It's only like one vocal which he changed to Camille, which is the um, to do what I wanna bit. Because he does the first bit in normal voice and then in a falsetto and then the third one in falsetto on the album. But on that Brit Awards, it was the Camille voice and it's just so much better. I agree. I agree totally because... Oh, wait till my review. It just sounds so much more funky. But yeah, this is a, it's a funky song in, in a happy way, which I suppose is the point of the whole album. It's his emancipation, he's free. I've got to ask another lyric query. In the chorus, does he say something about purple rain? Yeah, yeah. See, hmm. see you in the purple rain. Okay, because I just always thought it was weird that he'd reference that, and I just didn't know what he was saying. So there you go, okay. Yeah, it's just a great fun track with the funky bass going all the way through. There's not much more to say about it, except the Camille version's better. But it's a great song. Ooh, it's, it's Great song. Huh? Oh... <laughs> I'll say the Camille version's a great song. This version is a pretty good song. The Camille version is just, it's better. Okay. 
that's it. Player? This is a cool anthemic track that's upbeat and festive. You can really feel his newfound freedom through this song. The highlight would have to be the bass, though. I can't even count the amount of multi-layering of different bass he's got going on in this track. And do yourself Mm. a favor, listen to the song with headphones to appreciate the bass work. It's not like one bass line panning Uh left to right. It's two separate bass lines in each year (laughs) or each speaker with, with a synth bass mixed right in the middle. It's amazing to listen to if you pay attention to it. It's 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 great. <laughs> like it's it's like playing interplaying with each other, and you know it's not even one line. It's like multiple lines. It's orgasmic almost. Player, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you've been holding out on us. <laughs> <laughs> you left it right to the end. Yeah. At the very end is the sound effect that opens this one. It's like closing a book or closing the vault door. The backward symbol sound thing. Yeah, and then boom, like the door closes or the book closes so, yeah it's a great album great song very clever okay Toe Jam uh, the bass is, is kick ass I'll, I'll agree there but other than that I think the rest of the song is a bit of an anti-climax it sounds a bit plastic and that's why I agree that the um, the version he did on the Brit Awards sounds better yeah uh, I like the idea behind it and I like the I like the, um, the lyric where he's talking about uh, your money's turned from green to brown that's that's kind of cool lyric <laughs> but um, just the chorus like emancipation it's just oh, it just sounds a bit corny to me and the, the picture of Oprah running to this yeah. song on her treadmill just doesn't help <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps that permanently stained my, my image of the song, just that image. Oh, Oprah. But yeah, the bass is cool, but after like 30 seconds of hearing that bass, I just find that the song's a bit of an anticlimax. For such a huge project, I agree that, you know, he should have finished with The Love We Make. That would have been a much better closer. Because this seems just like a little bit of a tag on at the end. But yeah, it's the funky bass that's the highlight, obviously. And yeah, there we go. That's my review of the song. Wow, we've made it. After many, many hours, work and toil, heart, mind, body, spirit, sweat, <laughs> condensate, condensation, we're hmm. finally here. We're barely breathing, but we're here. Three discs, a mammoth undertaking um, to record and a mammoth undertaking to review. Oh, where does this leave us, guys? Are we going to score this? Hang on, you didn't even give a review for Emancipation, did you? I didn't. No. <laughs> Shows you how much I like the song. <laughs> oh my god! I am um, uh, Oprah on treadmill. I can't get over it. That's all. That's all you know. <laughs> I, I honestly can't think of anything else while this song is playing. Like, okay, the bass is ridiculous. And player, I'm gonna have to take you up on that on your advice and and listen to it on headphones and look out for what you said. But in spite of all that, um, Oprah. <laughs> It's, it's Oprah's all book Oprah. club. I'm telling you, I can't. And, and and not only do I do I picture her running on the treadmill, I can hear her going. That is bad. I can't help myself. It just it spoils the song. The other thing is. So you don't agree that he should have gone on Oprah? <laughs> <laughs> the the uh. big the big thing for me is that I think this song is good. It's a good track. The bass is kicking and what it's saying as an album closer is great. But this is one of the times that I'm actually going to make a comment about his his high range vocal, his falsetto vocal. I think it ruins it completely. I think what this song needs is... A Camille voice. <laughs> 
yeah, yeah, Mount Bob is a pretty hot pitch. That would be ridiculous. No, this needs a Bob George. That's what this needs. This needs a kick-ass, low-end... Um, Style. <laughs> almost like robotic vocal. And I, I think that would be awesome. That would be the, the effect that you're looking for. Something deep, something low, not even mid-register, like, like low-range. Well, what um, for you when he was recording this? What? <laughs> <laughs> Why weren't you there telling him this? I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. But I think that's what it's missing. I think it's just too... Man, it's just squeaky. It's squeaky and yeah. then the Oprah thing... It comes and across like, more pretentious than it, than it should do. Yeah. This, this is where he takes the title and he doesn't live up to it, I think. So that's my review. I haven't got anything else to say. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. That's it. How, how are we going to score this album? Are we going to do a disc... Score them individually. I say just do overall. I think you got to do overall. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's going to be tough. Yeah, that's... I'll have to think about that. You're going to have to score it out of 30. <laughs> 36. Or you do the whole set as out of 10. Yeah, yeah. That's what I think. I reckon the whole set. So we're all on this virtual round table but let's let's get take a shot at scoring this it'll be difficult it's three albums worth of material almost three discs worth mammoth project 1996 album emancipation by prince what do you all think let's go with captain oh crap (laughs) (laughs) i'm still thinking Uh, okay i'm not gonna i won't think about it too much i'll just say you know we're gonna give a score out of 10 out of all the albums i'm gonna say i'll give this seven and a half yeah i'll I'll say seven and a half okay okay player i i think this project it was such an ambitious project for prince and like he'd never done a 3D set up until this point. Yeah, he tried, and like I think that's one of the good things about it. And the other thing that is good about this particular package is all the songs are kind of like single length, or for the most part, they're single length. They're contained and measured. There's not a lot of experimentation. It's not like Son of the Times. It's kind of like three single albums put together. And, and it's very sort of commercial and marketable. I mean, it never really happened because of, you know, circumstances or whatever with EMI. But it is a very ambitious project. And I kind of admire the way it's been put together. The 12 songs each, the mm. exactly 60 minutes. minutes. Like, there's a lot of thought put into it. And, and, and it is... Like for a Prince album, it's, you know, he can have a lot of, you know, experimentation and, you know, Minneapolis funk. But this is the, on, like, like he says in the Today Show interview, there's something on there for everybody. Like someone can pick up this album and they'll at least like something or, or songs on here. So it is a really cool package. But I mean, for a hardcore Prince fan, you know, it's, there's not really the Minneapolis sound on there. But I mean, you can hear the freedom, the joyous nature of it. So probably, um, Maybe eight and a half. Wow. Maybe that's too high, but yeah, about eight and a half. I wouldn't give it like nine or ten, but it is a good... I mean, I've got a mind from... Like, you can have those debates, yeah, sure, if it wasn't a 3D set, if it was two... You if could it was a single more, or a double... Yeah, you could make a kick-ass one-disc set or a kick-ass two-disc set. I mean, that happens with all multiple-disc albums. They all have that fate, but... And you could do that, and it could get potentially like a 10 out of 10, but yeah. In this sort of format, it is a very good release. So, yeah. And, uh, I mean, he, he gets points just for having the balls to do it in the first yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean as I mean, your first album, you know, away from a record company, you want to do a triple album? 
Are you serious? But uh, uh, compounded to that, in the mid nineties, he wasn't even on the charts. Yeah. He wasn't even known by as Prince. Like everyone thought, like he was a complete nutcase. He had slave <laughs> on his face. No one knew what to call him. And then to like present a three disc set to a, a record company and say, you know, I want you to release this, but I own all the master copies. I mean, it's it's really balls. Mm. So it makes you wonder if he, you know, if circumstances had worked out and he had a stayed with Warner and he released this through Warner mm. with their marketing power, how big an album it actually could have been. Ooh. The fact yeah. that it, you know, came out on EMI and the fact that, you know, other Yeah, if the, if the whole three year plan went ahead. It all went to plan, man, this album could have been massive. Yeah. It could have been the biggest right. triple album ever. Mm. <laughs> Crazy. So what eight and a half a player? Yeah. I mean, that's more got to uh, taking it in as a whole, not only music-wise, but just the, you know, the balls of releasing it and yeah, yeah. everything, all, all things considered, it's it's pretty good. <laughs> so, Jim, this is really hard to score. Because, it is hard. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, it is an amazing project. It's an amazing project in that of the thirty-six songs, I reckon probably thirty of them, I think, are extremely high-quality songs probably only a handful that i'd say you know i could do without but my, my computer absolutely not <laughs> it's up it's the first one that comes to mind but yeah you know 30 songs out of 36 roughly you know of high quality songs and then add into that probably four or five songs that i consider really quite stellar that's just an amazing achievement and so i'm going to give it an eight i would love to give it higher the only thing that's holding it back is that it is kind of uh, it's con- so consistent that it's almost a bad thing that it's, yeah. it is, as player was saying it is kind of you know every song's a kind of four or five minute pop song in a pop genre like there's only you know there's not that that much experimentation going on and some of the experimentation that does happen like some of the you know industrial tracks on disc three aren't as aren't as effective as they you know could have been the best you know the best thing of this album and also probably of you know the the this era like the late mid to late 90s is the ballads the ballads are just unbelievably spectacular and consistent all the way through the other stuff is is good too yeah so uh, i'm gonna say eight i would love to score it higher but i don't know i just i can't for some reason but yeah what an amazing project wow i have absolutely no idea what to score this <laughs> now mc this was your f- the first prince album that you ever picked up isn't it uh you said you went to the library and i think so yeah sydney city library Mm. Where you could actually shout out to Sydney City Library. <laughs> yeah, where you can actually loan out, loan stuff out, including their CDs. And I remember playing this on a stereo, like a Philips radio, I guess, a sound system, very bodgy one. And um, so I've got strange memories of this album. I, I can't remember if it was my first anymore, but it was definitely one of one of my first. Could could have been. Uh, oh man. It's not I, I, easy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not it's not easy. But I just have to think, you know, by and large, is this an amazing, exceptional album? And it's not an album. It's it's like a bunch of albums. It's it's a project. It's a mammoth undertaking, like we've said. And really, the only the only thing I can say is, off of every disc, I could probably take off a couple tracks. So by and large, I think most of the material here is pretty pretty good and some of it is top shelf i mean there are songs on this 
on these three CDs that I would rank up there with the best music he's ever recorded. So from that point of view, yes, in a sense, it was the album he was born to make, at least parts of it. You couldn't possibly score this anything lower than a than a seven and a half, I guess, and Captain <laughs> gave it that. I'm going to give yeah. it a solid eight. It's kind of toe the line on this. I, you know, I feel bad for it because <laughs> it, it'll go down as this sprawling epic thing that didn't really get a chance to. It's just, I think it's too big. It's just too big. You know, even with the promotion, I think it would have been too big. It just didn't fit the commercial music f- format and the formula at the time. And Well, you can sort of see why time after time hey. Warner's said, no, you're not going to do a triple album. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. Like, I just think if he had to stay with Warner's and personal things didn't happen the way they did, you know, who knows? This this could have been the biggest album of the 90s. For all we yeah, know, but like I said before, really you, know there's, hold of it, so. you know there's no way he could have stuck with anything for that long. Yeah, but the potential was there. So. But yeah, that's, I think that's the main thing that's sad about it is the potential that it had, and it just for all the reasons it didn't it didn't work out. <laughs> and it is just going to be remembered as this great attempt that ended that up in the five dollar bin. Yeah, two one ninety nine. I paid once <laughs> one dollar ninety nine. Actually, it was one pound ninety nine. So yeah, it was it was five bucks at the time. Yeah. So there you go. So much time and effort spent on on a pretty incredible project. How much time did we spend on it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he opened the vault. He he opened the floodgates to to so much material. It's a, it's an incredible release. It's an incredible record, but it just always I don't know. It just doesn't quite cut it as a I don't know why it doesn't cut it as a classic album in my mind. <laughs> and if you guys feel the same way, it's just one of those things. It's like a solid eight. Not that scoring is important, but well, I, don't I think know. It, it, if anything, sort of what I was hinting at before, it lacks the originality of something like 1999 or Love Sexy and that sort of you know these albums that just come out of nowhere that blow you away. Like this is just sort of a lot of it is continuing on what we already know of Prince. Hmm. Yeah. Possibly. And, and in ways it, in a, ways it in doesn't sound way. like a yeah. yeah it doesn't sound like a Prince album in many regards like it lacks the hallmarks it's kind of like him doing trying to do like a mainstream release that people will like a lot of yeah I think it, it like embrace the, it it kind of lacks the quirkiness that you know some of his earlier albums might have had so yeah quirkiness yeah that's it <laughs> but the player you're saying this doesn't sound like a Prince album it's not a Prince album it's symbol <laughs> true 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 but. <laughs> It's meant to be different. Yeah, but there's something about it. If there's something sort of about the album and everything that was going around at the time, like it's so polished that it, it, it almost it's it's so polished it's almost false. Yeah. Yeah. So there it is. Da da da. <laughs> hang on. <laughs> no. Hang on. Hang on. Emancipation. Didn't uh, Tojin? Didn't you have some shout outs to say? Yeah. Oh. Shout out to the auger Lust. Hey Lust. From New Zealand. We get all sorts. Thanks for your feedback. <laughs> and uh, what about um, Sam Hutton or Hutton? Big fan. Yeah. Thanks, Sam. Play it again. <laughs> <laughs> the two fans that we have, we've just given them <laughs> shout-outs. Irreverence. Hello to Irreverence. <laughs> Emancipation. We're done. Let's see. <laughs> what do you say? So, to everyone who's still awake, congratulations. You made it to the end. There's no prize. That's it. And back by popular request, here's Shelby. Hi, this is Shelby, and you have been listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. Further your Peach and Black experience on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, as well as the Peach and Black forums. You can also subscribe to the Peach and Black Podcast for free at iTunes. World, stay 
tuned and stay funky. <laughs> you hear? <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>